Hi everyone, this is Rob at This Week in Salsa, and today is going to be a repeat show that I did with Joel Dominguez back in 2017. So there are a couple of reasons that we're replaying this episode. Number one is uh, I am super busy setting up and making final details and arrangements for the upcoming Zoom International Salsa Congress, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But that's taking up a lot of time here. And then also the second reason that we're playing this specific episode is that Joel Dominguez is going to be doing a workshop at the Zoom Congress this upcoming Saturday. He's going to be doing it along with Maria Palmieri, uh, his partner and wife. And they'll be doing a workshop at 1 p.m. Eastern on April 25th for New York style intermediate shines and turn patterns with musicality. I highly recommend checking out their workshop. But in the meantime, this episode is a deep dive with Joel on various aspects of dance, of musicality. Joel is just a wealth of information. The guy is incredible. He's a musician as well. So he really understands that side of the dance and the music. Now, as far as the Zoom Congress, we're getting really excited here. We are less than a week away from the first ever Zoom International Salsa Congress. Uh, this is happening on April 25th from 8 a.m. to at least 9 p.m., at which point we're going to be tossing it over to the Cobeat uh, party for live music spinning by DJs. But we have a lot of stuff going on from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. We are chock full of workshops from everyone like Joel and Maria. Also, Shaka Brown from Miami. We have uh, Emily Hodges from Honolulu. We have Serena Cuevas from San Diego. We have Neri Garcia from Fort Myers. And the list goes on and on and on. We're really excited for this list of workshops. And what we're even more excited for, to be honest, is what we're doing for performances. So this message is specifically for you, the listeners. Uh, if you book a ticket for the Zoom International Congress, we encourage you to be part of the performances. What we're doing is a talent show. Think your old school, high school talent shows. Any talent will do. This could be a Latin dance, like what me and my wife are preparing. Uh, it could be a uh, magic trick. It could be a baton twirling and really anything in between. Anything that is a, a talent of yours, we want to see that. We want to stream that live here at the Congress from 8 to 9 p.m. And, uh, and we hope that it's something that's entertaining and fun and, and helps maybe recreate a little bit of what we get at the Congresses. Uh, don't worry about being as great as these live performers that we're used to seeing at the Congresses. This is about having fun. This is about sharing our talents. This is about connecting with the community of attendees. And so if you're interested, email me, cast7326 at gmail.com. That's C-A-S-T 7326 at gmail.com. I'll email you back with a form that you can fill out with your talent and more information about you so we can get you on the schedule. Uh, we'll also have a link to it in the This Week in Salsa fan page on Facebook. We'll have a link to it on our Instagram. We'll have a link to it on the event page in Facebook as well. So if you just search for the Zoom International Salsa Congress, we'll have a link to apply there as well. And we will accept as many submissions until we're full. Uh, and so we really hope that you consider being a part of the talent show, make it a fun night for everyone. And if you have any questions, again, reach out to me directly, either through my email or you can uh, reach me on social media as well, Rob J. Cast on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Instagram. And without further ado, enjoy today's show. Whip. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk, you know how to dance. This is my dance space, your dance space. Thanks for coming on this week in Salsa. Thank you, thank you, Rob, for the invitation. That's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Absolutely, no. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to speak with me today. I'm sure the listeners are going to, uh, going to enjoy what we talk about. I've uh, known of you for quite some time here, being in the salsa community for a few years now. It's tough not to know uh, you. I've been to La Vieja Guardia socials. I've checked out uh, Dance with Feeling. I've been on some of your uh, webcasts there as well. So for the people who don't know who you are, maybe just give a little bit of a primer on your experience, your background, how you got into salsa, and then just some of the things, some of the projects that you're working on right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, I started dancing salsa when I was around 13 years old. And of course, I started as most of the Latin people. They started dancing uh, in the house 
or actually parties outside, like on the street. That in Mexico we call it uh, fiestas sonideras, or, or this is where people come and bring the music just out there, out there, just on the streets, and everybody just dancing on the streets. And Mexico City is a big uh, community of salsa, so that actually also get me more into love this rhythm. Another thing is um, I have a background from my family. Most of them, they are musicians. So they used to have a, a little group, a band. And I always follow them wherever they go so I, I, I can listen to live music. And of course, the main one that attracts my attention was the, the congas, the, the drums. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what attracts me more into the salsa, tropical rhythms, and stuff like that. So this is how everything starts by a little bit of my family and a little bit the community where I used to live. That that was very, uh, very salseros. <laughs> and 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 then from that, gosh, I mean, having family that is uh, are musicians now it makes so much sense why you have this focus. The way that you teach, you can tell you're you're very focused on the music, very focused on the instruments. You even talk about it how. We, we tend to dance on the counts so much and maybe moving beyond that at some point in, in your evolution as a dancer and moving beyond that to dance on specific instruments. Actually, can you talk a little bit about that, about this difference between dancing on the counts and dancing on the specific instruments? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the, the, the need of the start counting with the numbers, that was because that was influenced by ballroom ballroom people always count and in the salsa scene before when people used to learn how to dance salsa that was just by watching just by showing some steps and try to figure it out if you can follow me great if not I'm sorry but there were no ways to teach more people how to dance salsa so then editors started developing a system with a friend of his uh, was his friend about incorporate all the numbers into the dancing. So that's gonna make more, uh, that will be easier for the people to understand where to put the steps, instead just try to follow and catching the rhythm of the music. So I, in my opinion, I think at some point it's, it's good because you have to know where the beats and where the numbers and understand about the, the timing, which is the numbers, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, but uh, I think at this point, because all the people start try to get the stuff very, very quick, they only concentrate now on the numbers, and they start forget about the music, which is actually what we dance. So we, we have to start concentrating a little more on the musicality part. <clears throat> I'm sorry, on the musicality part, on what do we have to listen, how we can dance different to different instruments. So that's the purpose of actually why I invent or create Dance with Feeling, because I think it's the time and we have to start doing something about it. We have to start bringing these people uh, the awareness about listening to the music and not only the numbers. Uh, another thing that gets me a little bit upset is that uh, when you talk to people around the world and you ask them if they know how to dance salsa, the first thing that they respond is, of course, salsa is the one that you say one, two, three, five, six, seven. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, at least for me, because I'm so passionate about it, it's a little bit, um, I want to say, it, it gets me probably a little bit upset that people don't see what is more about the numbers. It's about the art, it's about the culture, it's about the connection with people, the connection with the, the, the people, with the instruments that the musicians playing for us. And all these things, it, nobody does anything to, mm -hmm. to keep it alive. I think we're going to lose it. Yeah. So, well, and yeah, that's, it's very interesting. I've, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately about that very thing. Actually, one is La Boca. I, I checked out. La Boca, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the one that the one comment that jumps out to me in that every time I watch it is from Frankie Martinez. I believe it was in in La Poca, where he said that you know you have people who are very passionate about salsa, and so they want to start teaching right away, 
And therefore, they may not have a full understanding, but they want to share what they love with with others. So they may teach it in a way that is taking out a big portion of what salsa is really about, which is the culture, the music, dancing on the congas, right? A lot of these things they don't fully understand yet. And so it's this natural kind of dilution of the dance over time. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because more people are getting into salsa, but they don't all have a full understanding, which, which brings me to a question, which is, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it across everyone who's learning salsa so that everyone had to learn it the same way, would you start with learning the counts or would you start with learning something different? Would you first introduce instruments? And if so, where would the counts actually come in? Or do you see that as something that isn't necessarily needed in, in your education as becoming a dancer? Um, actually, this is a good question because at the beginning when I started dancing, uh, first I started dancing just by listening to the music. So I didn't know if I was dancing on one, two, three four or five, I didn't know anything about timing, but what I, I understand by then is that I have to keep my steps in certain rhythm to keep the timing. So, so I, I don't know, probably that was something that I feel it, but I, I knew when the music kind of started. So once you start feeling the rhythm, you just keep it there. Now, this is when, when I started. Then when I discovered that you can put the, uh, the, the, the styling, which you can dance on one or you can dance on two, etc., is when I, I really opened my eyes, like, hey, wait a minute, so this is really, this, this has a structure, you know, you, you can just follow, follow it. So when I start teaching, I start teaching on one, and that was, of course, with the counting, with the one, two, three, five, six, seven. Then I start training myself on two almost very, very close time. When I started dancing on one, probably when I started dancing on two was one year after. And I, I started teaching with the numbers as well. So I was counting one, two, three, five, six, seven, but now just changing the steps. So that was like that for a while. I have my teams and I teach them like that and everything. And then when I really, I, when I really, really learned dancing on two, that, that was when... Um, Rafael Muñoz, a Mexican that lives in Germany, and actually he has his school over there. He used to come to Mexico to visit his family, and he explained to me that if you want to dance on two, listen to the conga. And he asked me, can you listen to the conga here on this song? And I was, yes, of course, I can listen. They're very clear. It's the instrument that I like the most. So then, okay, if you hear this sound or this rhythm, now you're going to be dancing on two every time that you hit the slaps of the conga. And that was, oh, okay. So that was like the click in my head. So when I learn, actually, when I learn, I dance, oh, I mean, on two, I was following the conga. But mm. anyways, when I start teaching, at least at the beginning, I was still dancing on, on the numbers. And that was a couple of years ago. I moved to New York, and then I started training with Eddie, with Frankie, and I was developing my, uh, even if I have my own style already, I cannot develop another, I, I went more deep into the knowledge, into the, the, the education about salsa, the music and everything. So I tried to bring back whatever, uh, whatever I used to learn on two. This is what we're using right now at Joel Salsa. So... We, when we start teaching people from zero, from scratch, we start teaching them with the conga beat. Mm. And then after that, we teach them the numbers. So they realize when they have to go back or when they have to go forward. But at least they have a fundamental that they have to keep a certain rhythm in order to dance with connection with the music and feel relaxed and feel more natural. So my recommendation, if you want to start dancing, even if you already dance with the numbers, try to switch little by little. So stop counting and then start dancing with the feeling of the instruments. Mm -hmm. so, and and, mm -hmm. and that, that really rings true. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of teaching down here in Florida, and we get a lot of people coming uh, here at the University of Florida is where I teach. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of people coming from Miami. We get a lot of people coming from South America. And... I've noticed that people who 
grow up first learning the way that you learn, Joel, where it's just going to these, I think you call them sonaderos, sonaderas. Uh Uh, You know, those people are what I would consider, you know, the naturals. They have what I think to be the most challenging part already down, which is the fluidity of motion, Uh, this just natural, uh, also a a love for the music. Usually they just listen to that music when they're in the radio in their car, right? Uh, That's much easier to get them to understand the counts, in my experience, than going the other way and and having someone who's never listened to salsa go from the counts and then try to switch over to a more fluid rhythm. That tends to take a lot longer, in my experience, to get them over to that point. I, I think so, because now you have to retrain yourself. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn to a certain point, and then you have to make a big U-turn to come back and then retrain yourself again. Yeah, and, and one of my good friends, the guy who I learned from way back in the day when I was first learning, uh, Frank Condori, he's up in Boston now, but he was at uh, University of Florida. Yeah. And that was one of the first things that he said when he took us over to his house, had wood floors over there. And he took out the congas. He had these big congas, and he started playing them. And he, it did that exact thing, right? This the combi, do do pa. You know, look, l- listen yeah. for slap in the music. And it took me a couple of reps of that, and a couple of times of him explaining the same thing to really understand the importance of that. But now, absolutely, and and I think that when people are explained that, what my initial reaction was is I can't pick up that in all of these salsa songs, and. For me, I've come to the realization that that's okay, right? Not every salsa song is going to have that very clear conga slap in it. So you dance to something else, but it's not 100% of the time that you can dance to the conga. But a lot of the dance that that I dance in New York style on too, it's going to have that conga in a high majority of those dances. So you can use that. But if not, then you do it to the clave or or to something else. That's right. um, Actually, we're teaching with the conga just because it's one of the... Let's one, let's put it that way. This is one of the easiest one to to be connected with the onto, but definitely you can dance to any instrument. And actually, dance with feeling is the is the awareness is, is what we teach. The awareness of how to dance with um, with each instrument. It's not only about the conga, and I'm not saying that the conga is the only way that people should dance because I don't want the people get confused or misunderstand that misunderstood that that I used to try to say, oh, the conga is the only way to dance. Now, this is just the beginning of the intro to start feeling one of the instruments. And then after that, when you master that one, then you can master the next one and the next one and the next one until you have, you can dance with any part of the, or, or any instruments of the band. Even you can actually dance with the vocal, with the vocals. Mm. Mm. Yeah, my my girlfriend, she is uh, she's Latin, and I'm not. I I speak high school Spanish, but that's about it. So I'm working on my Spanish. Mm-hmm. But she's fluent, right? And she tells me we actually have kind of an issue where I really like these New York style songs. She loves the casino and and L A kind of songs, and she says she listens to the lyrics. And she listens to the story of the song, and I don't listen to the story at all. I'm listening to the beats, the rhythms. I love this New York style music because it has this almost hypnotic quality to it, where it repeats over and over again. Can be singing to the black car that was passing in front of their house, and they make a song about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ruben Blades, right? He has the uh, the one about the train, the number six train. He's just waiting for the number six train, and he wrote a song about it. Yeah, exactly. So they. They used to make um, uh, songs out of anything. And of course, Mark Anthony is more popular. It's more about getting the masses. And of course, they have to sing about like love and like maybe somebody that uh, the wife or the girlfriend leaves him and now he's so sad or he wants to come back with her. And of course, all the girls, they love that, right? <laughs> so, so they want to sing to that. But you ask them, hey, can you listen to the conga on this song? Can you listen to this instrument on this song? And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, because they're so yeah. concentrated on the vocals and the lyrics. And, and they, they use, uh, especially in the Latin community, they, they move because this is how the we, everybody, we just start like that. Like I said before, I started like that. We use the move, but we don't even know if we're on one or two, on three or four or whatever. We use the move because we feel that beat on that specific point, and then we used to start moving and dancing. Mm. Well, but, uh, yeah. T- t- talking about beginners, 
I have some thoughts. I don't want to tell you mine until I hear some of yours too, which is why do you think people drop out, right? Why do you think that people who take a couple classes and then never come back, what are the biggest sticking points for new dancers to continue on and become a better dancer? What, what kind of roadblocks do they hit along the way that you've seen? Um, I think in my opinion, every, every person that, that wants to join a class as a beginner, they never dance in their lives. Most of them, they come for different reasons. It can, they can come because probably they just break up with the girlfriend or, or wife or whatever, and they need some time in something, right? Especially they dance or they listen to salsa before, and this is something that they never did in their lives. Maybe this is one of the reasons that they want to join. But it's not really because uh, the rhythm the rhythm attract them like um, like something that they want to do for forever. I don't know mm -hmm. how to explain that. It's, it's kind of hard. I think it's very hard to say why the beginners drop out, but I'm, I'm sure everybody, we did, we did something at some point. Like, for example, I used to, I used to love uh, uh, going biking a lot, mm -hmm. just, just for fun, but I, I took a class so just to go uh, out of the mountains and then try to learn how to do the jumps and everything on the bikes. But that was just the beginner's, beginner steps. But I never follow up just because I want to try, you know. Mm. So I think a lot of people in Salsa, they do the same thing. They just want to try. And some of those, uh, some of those people, they just, they just get hooked. And then they just love it. And some people, okay, that was a good experience. What's next? Yeah. I, I think that there's also this perception that everything is like dancing with the stars from day one, right? And so if you come in with that mindset, and you'll realize that the, the salsa community is not really like dancing with the stars. Sure, it's a great show, but there are differences there. You know, I also completely agree with you that a lot of times in these life transitional phases are when people start taking classes. Same with me. I, I broke up with my girlfriend, and that's what got me into salsa, because I found that salsa was the only thing I was, I was kind of depressed about the breakup. So that was the only thing that really made me feel good was dancing. So I kind of went with that feeling that my body was telling me, Hey, this feels good. So stick with it. But I, from, from my teaching, I found that not being able to find the count as far as a technical skill that is tough, especially for the gentleman, if they can't find the count, that's what oftentimes will frustrate them and stop their progression going forward. I've also found that if they don't get to the point where they feel comfortable social dancing, just getting them out to social dance is very challenging. They feel that just the classes will be good and that's all they want to do. They don't want to get out there and, and kind of fail, honestly, with social dancing by maybe doing the same couple of moves every couple of times. They don't really want to go through that salsa hell as, as what I like to call it, where you're uh, you know, maybe getting one dance a night with, with every girl because they don't want to dance a second dance with you, right? But I think those are some of the pains that you have to go through, and not everyone's willing to go through some of those. Definitely. I, I think, especially for guys, I think it's exactly what you're saying. They, as a guy, you, you have more challenge. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah. in the beginning, I, I would yeah. say. It, it seems like in, in the later stages, it gets easier for the guys and tougher for the women. Like, the women... Maybe when they when the women have to start doing like triple spins and beyond, that's probably when it starts getting tougher for them, or when they have to think about styling, incorporating in. But yeah, in the beginning, the guys just get screwed with having to learn all this stuff and just run the dance essentially. Um, uh, but at the same time, maybe the women have an equal challenge for some women, which is just simply to follow. There, there are so many women that are I hate to say, but sometimes too smart for their own good on the dance floor. They have to learn to shut off a portion of their mind where they're kind of guessing what the guy's going to do and just be responsive. Yeah, definitely. It's like I, I see in my classes that a lot of people, they just want to try. And, and when they go out there social dance, they just feel that challenge. But I always, always tell to my students, you have two eyes. Uh, it can be one eye. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about the letter. <laughs> you, you have two, two eyes to choose, right? Either you go there, and for example, especially they come to LVG, I tell them, you can come and, and you can come and you see everybody dancing, and you can, you can get totally um, inspired that you want to become one of, 
of these people dancing on the dance floor, or you can get intimidated. So mm -hmm. it's either or. And a lot of people get in, uh, intimidated, but it's a lot of people also that they get inspired. And the next time that I want to come, I, I'm going to just keep going because I want to become one of, one of these group, you know, one of these community that the, one of the guys are dancing with all these girls and then they do all these turns and they look nice and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I guess on the other side also we have people that they have intimidated too. And sometimes they take a longer to really, oh, I, I don't think that I go back to that. I'm ready. Yeah. But, uh, well, and, and I bet they get intimidated too because they don't know the community, right? And f for me, when I go to these congresses and I see these amazing dancers, I, intimidated isn't the right word. The word is almost overwhelmed in that, like, gosh, I have so much to learn. But I know that these people are extremely nice. If I go up and ask anyone to dance, with a few very rare exceptions, everyone's going to dance with me. Everyone will smile. No one's going to be rude. No one's going to walk away from the dance. It's just not, not that kind of community. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that, and they think that they have to be perfect or, or nothing. And that's maybe where that overwhelming you know, intimidation comes in. Yeah, I think so, too. I, did, yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's like a... How do you want to see it? I mean, I saw a lot of people that they just want to be perfect before they try something, yeah. and you find any kind of people, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. people that ah, I don't, I just know the basic, but I don't care. I'm just gonna jump in the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of perfection, what about because we we talk a lot about beginners and things that that they may be doing incorrectly that can be improved. I think you know finding the beat, being on off counts is a common one. Uh, you know, not applying enough force on maybe your crossbody leads and those sorts of things that that's common but what what are some things that you see from the more advanced dancers that that are done incorrectly or things that if you were in a private class with them and teaching them you'd say you know here are the things that you want to focus on for the intermediate advanced dancers uh basics the basics interesting go on fundamentals it's it's incredible how many people have been taking privates with me and I don't have to teach them more turns. Actually, that's not the way that we teach. We, we actually teach them, most of them, the things that I have to fix are fundamentals, like how to make a simple crossbar to lead on the right way. This is, this is something that I always uh, tell to my students. This, it's, uh, it's not about knowing something. It's about executing correctly, which is a big difference. A lot of people knowing a lot of things, but knowing doesn't mean that you can do it correctly. Ten times, and the ten times is gonna feel just good or looks good. You know, you can fake it ten times, but doesn't mean that you know all the fundamentals. Like, if I tell you, okay, guys, uh, give me a crossbar lead and stop the lady on this beat, and everybody, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so. So, okay, where is your weight on this position? Where is your weight on this leg? And there are little details, and probably I go too deep. But when you understand that, it's when you become a better dancer, a better leader, a better follower. When you understand every single step that you're doing on your regular basics, mm -hmm. if you don't know that, it's going to be hard as a follower to create a styling or discover your your own personality so that, that you can show your, your actually your styling. And as a leader, you have to, first of all, you have to control yourself in order to control somebody else. So if you don't know how to control your body, your way, your center, how are you going to control somebody else? And, and how, how do you control your way, your center is, and how do you, how do you practice that? So if I was just on my own without a partner, just something I can do every day exercise-wise, what are some exercises that you would prescribe to help with that specific issue? The way that I retrain myself, um, uh, and I'm saying re retrain, because like I said at the beginning, you, you know things, mm -hmm. but you don't know the details that they are, let's say that you already know the crossbar lead, right? Now, you cut in pieces the crossbar lead and stop on every piece and make sure that you feel what it feels when you stop on certain points. So when you understand that, now you start doing it very slow and make sure that you're supposed to feel the same thing every time that you do 
a basic, a cross vertical lead, the move of the hips, the move of the shoulder, the move of uh, the position, how far you have to go, how close you have to be uh, uh, from, from your steps. So all that little, that little details, it can be, like I said, it can be overthinking, but I mean, the best of the best in the world, it's, uh, and I'm talking about salsa, I'm talking about everything. They used to do the things over and over and over and over. Slow and fast, slow and fast. So I yeah. guess repetition and changing the speed of the music that you listen to. Listen, um, you don't need really a partner to become better because really when you become a better dancer, you become better dancing as a as, as person, you know, as a couple. The, yeah. the, your partner, they have to do their own work and they have to become better as, as, as well. So when you dance in couple, you know exactly what you have to do on your own side. And then when you get together, you, you are just a beautiful couple. Mm -hmm. And and it's going back to basics is it's so huge. I about a year ago, uh, you know, I've, I've been teaching a while and I've been learning a while. And I thought I was beyond the point where I should ever take a beginner class, right? The, learning the basic step of salsa. So I'm in this position where I'm, I'm helping out and I decided to jump in on this beginner class prior to a, a Fuego social by uh, Ernesto. Actually, he just moved up to New York, Ernesto Bulnes. So it's uh, his social that he runs down here in Tampa. And so I just jumped in on his basic class and I, I could barely keep up because he was explaining the basic step in ways that I'd never heard it explained before, talking about the hips and the body movement as you're doing this basic that I just never really thought about. And so I felt like a beginner again, you know, with, with true beginners as well. And that just, I guess, knocked me down a peg in a good way to realize that I just have so much more to learn even about just the most basic steps in the stance. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and you already noticed it because you went through a certain process and then you get to a certain point that if we explain the basics to you, you will understand. Mm -hmm. but, and uh, yeah. Well, well I, was, I was curious because the, the Salsa Boot Camp that you guys run, I believe that's an online program. Uh, does it go through a lot of this as well? Like what, what's the progression in that? Because I know that's like eight weeks to go from knowing nothing to being you know, relatively proficient in this dance. It does it go through a similar progression like that, talking about some of the things that we're talking about. I was actually curious about that program specifically, uh, how you build those skills over time and what you introduce first, second, third. Yeah, well, the, the bootcamp, basically what, what happened is that we talk about the fundamentals and using the fundamentals by listening only to the conga beat. We don't, in, we don't introduce okay. any instrument yet on the bootcamp. Is just dancing to the conga beat, and we start with the basics, of course, how to follow the regular basics using the conga beat, how to do the right turns, left turns, cross battle leads, inside turns, outside turns, copas, and hammer locks. So this is just things that you can start dancing, and if you master this, uh, this is this is the the way our our philosophy is. Uh, I don't know if you play any instrument. But I'm going to put this example of the instruments, and then I'm going to put it on the Salsa Bootcamp, how it works. So as a musician, uh, they learn, for example, the notes, the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have, um, I, I don't remember, I think there are seven notes that they, they have to know, like the main ones. And from those notes, I, I don't know if there are seven or eight or nine, I don't remember. But anyways, <laughs> if, if you know these notes, the fundamentals, and how to put them correctly, then you have to make variations of those notes. And with these notes, you can create whatever. You can create rock, you can create salsa, you can create bachata, you can create whatever you want. But you have to know the fundamentals, the, 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 the notes, right? In salsa, in mind these notes are the, we call it the tools. So you, you can learn the right turn is one tool, left turn is another tool, inside turn is another tool, outside turn, copas, wraps. So every single thing is a, is a tool. Now we do variation. So if I can do a regular right turn with my left, I can do it with my right, or I can do it with both hands. So now there are three variations. I can open my hands and, and both of the, of the couples they have open hands and then holding and can do a right turn that's another uh, variation 
I can just let go the left and start with the lady, leaders, keep the right, and turn the lady into the right turn. It's another variation. So, so far you can do five different variations for every single tool, just to start it. Mm. So this is how we build it up the, the Salsa Bootcamp, how to use these five variations on the tools that we teach on the, on the whole day week bootcamp. Absolutely. That, that's so great. I, I love that as a teaching philosophy because when you learn something, it takes a lot of effort to learn anything new. And then w when you learn a variation of that, you're learning like 10% new stuff. But to the outside eye, it looks like a totally different move. And it is a new pattern in, in a way. But this idea of pre-existing schema, you know, you know this, uh, for instance, the, the, um, the, the uh, basic step, you know, you do a basic step and then you do a crossbody lead. And then from the crossbody lead, it's like the inside turn is basically a crossbody lead with a spin. Right. So now you know what the crossbody lead is. Now just throw a spin in there. And so it's 50% new, 50% old, but that's a lot easier than saying, learn these 10 moves that really have no relation to each other. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and then... And, and, and if you think about it, for example, if I give you five tools and I give you five different variations of these tools, you already have 25 different ways to do turns. Mm. If you think like that. Mm. So uh, it can be overwhelming for, a, for a, an absolute beginner that they never danced before. But after they learn the tools and then you introduce the variations that they can do with it, it's like, oh, it makes total sense. Now, why? It, because the steps is the same way. The variations that you do with the hands are the different thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when, when it starts clicking, that's when it really starts getting addictive, right? When you have a really good social dance and it just clicks, that, that was one of the big things that clicked for me that got me really into this. Um, when you understand how the pieces almost, I mean, we're talking about music, so we're talking about math. In, a, in essence, too. So you can take pieces out, put pieces in, and the timing remains consistent, unless you have a really tricky song that changes timing all the time. Um, but, but, but that's great. Um, so, okay, I, I want to be mindful of your time here, Joel. So I just have a couple of other questions, um, yeah. you know, for you. The, the first one is, what's your favorite style to dance at this point? Is it New York style? Is there other stuff you're into? Me, personally, I'm really into pachanga right now, so I've been learning that for the past few months. I'm really into that. But what, what really has your, your heart at this point? Um, I, I guess everything that is just, um, it has to be a good song. It can be a, it can be mm -hmm. a charanga, which is how we, the rhythm that we dance pachanga to. It can be a good, good charanga that I will love. I can love a very classy kind of, kind of jazzy music. I like it a lot too. And um, I don't know, it's not like I have a specific dancing mm. on one or dancing on two thing. Mm. If I go to any other place and they only dance on one, I can still have fun with it. Right. I, I think it's more because the understanding of the music. So you, okay, I don't have right now to dance with the conga beat, but I can dance to, I don't know, to the cowbell, to the piano, to another things that is going to keep me still connected with the music. So it's why I, I don't think that I have a preference. But what I really dance the most is, of course, on New York style because I'm here and most of the people dance here on two as well. Right, right. Um, my, my second question is for someone who is not living in New York, how, how do you get good? Right, because in New York, you are just surrounded. I've, I've been there several times and danced there. And it's just a completely different world. I mean, you go there and there are socials every night of the week. Uh, there are great congresses. There's a lot, a lot of talented dancers. I mean, that has the, the biggest uh, pool of salsa talent anywhere in the world, in my opinion. So for someone like, like me and probably some of our other listeners, I, I live here in Gainesville. We have a salsa community, certainly, but we have maybe one social night a week that we can really dance at, uh, and that's about it. So for someone who is not living in New York, what would you say for them to uh, get, get good at this stuff? What would you say? Traveling. I'm sure it's traveling. Before I, before I moved to New York, I used to live in Texas. In Texas, I used to run another school, and in order to keep bringing new stuff to, to in, in that time, Dallas, Texas, in order to bring new things, I have to travel. I have to travel, have the experience of the social dance with different people, different styles, and taking worships with 
the most of the workshops that I can. Actually, a lot of people, they just go for the social dance. By then, back then, I used to go also to take the workshop. So I used to get up in the morning <laughs> and, and try to learn the most that I can, beginner, intermediate, and advanced turns. I didn't care. I just want to learn, learn, learn. I think that's the only way because it's going to be hard if you stay in your own city. And even if you learn a lot in class and you have the best instructors, you have to, you have to go out there and try different things and try to challenge yourself every single day. I'm so glad you said that, that I completely agree. Uh, when I, I still do this, but uh, back in the day, uh, Frank took me out. You know, I thought he was joking at first. So Frank Condori, uh, he was traveling out to these places like uh, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa. And he asked me one time, I'm like, he's like, hey, do you want to come with me to the social down in Tampa? I'm like, oh, when are you going? Uh, Eight o'clock. Uh, when are you coming back? Uh, probably four in the morning. I'm like, oh, the same night? Uh, yeah. How far is it? About two hours. So he basically traveled as long as he was out there dancing. And I thought he was crazy at first. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You really just travel there just to dance for four hours and then come back the same night? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And little did I know about a month later, I was that guy too. And I was coming with him and we had a whole carpool group together that we would just go out to these socials and there was great dancing in Tampa, especially in Orlando. There was amazing dancing and just being exposed to all those new dancers. And, and even bigger than that, from a motivation perspective, just to dance with those people and to understand that there are people who share my same values in other cities and knowing that they're real people, uh, that made it even that much more addictive that I wanted to get better as well, to know that this community is outside of just my city and I can go now. I mean, I travel a lot for business and I can go anywhere in the country and feel confident that I can just walk into the local salsa club, uh, the salsa night there and, and make friends with really cool, interesting, smart people. That's right. That's true. I, I, like I said, this is something that you, uh, if you really want to become better, you have to do it. You have mm -hmm. to, you have to do that experience. And let me say that about uh, Frankie. Still, still, he comes to 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 LVG, and, and he has to drive, I think, four hours. <laughs> yep. So, and still, he comes off. here, and then he goes, he goes back home at the same day. It's like, guys, I don't, I, I mean, I, I really <laughs> appreciate that people comes, but I don't know how do they do. It. <laughs> it's insane man i mean yeah. yeah and and for those of you who have never been to a vieja guardia social uh you got to check it out it's it's one of the rites of passage in my opinion to to dancing in new york salsa it's it's my favorite social i've been to up there a uh, great venue love it up there yeah absolutely it's uh it's incredible but no it's traveling absolutely get out of get out of your city even if you're in new york or boston uh, according to frank you know just I got to get him on the show too. I don't know why I haven't hit, had him on the show. I got to reach out to him. But so my, my last question is yeah. just where do you see this salsa community going, right? I know that in my experience, just in these five years, I've seen it grow. I've seen it kind of shrink here in Gainesville, then grow again. It goes in these ebbs and flows. And I, I'm interested and also somewhat concerned about is this going to be a sustainable movement? Will this be around in another 20 years? Or are the, the youths of the country, uh, are they people that are going to be interested in this when they get to the age where they're interested in dancing? Um, what are your thoughts about just where the future of the salsa community is going? And if, if you're concerned about what we need to maybe do to, to get there? I, I think the salsa is going to be here for, for still for a very, very long time but probably in a different ways. Like, for example, right now it's very hard to, uh, at least here in New York, you don't see concerts of, as we used to have it before. Like, for example, to see El Gran Combo here in, Man in Manhattan, I, uh, they go to another places, to Queens or to New Jersey, but in Manhattan, you have to wait probably a month or a year to see them live, you know? And, and and at, at least on the on the live bands industry, I think it's slow a little bit because the pricing, I guess, the economy, I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to, as a, as a promoter, it's hard to bring bands. But now what people like is, is the music with DJs. And lately DJs are very like, digging and try to find new music, different music, music that nobody heard before and and it's a lot of stuff out there. So it's still a lot of 
good music, a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, very, uh, how do you say, very catch music that you still can feel everything, every single instrument, and it's very danceable. Mm-hmm. And but that's uh, now about the dancing. That's for the bands. For the bands, I think it's kind of hard. For the DJs, I think right now they are on the boom that everybody wants to start playing in vinyls and new music and stuff like that. Now, as on dancing, I think uh, some instructors we have to put uh, this kind of information. For example, podcasts, videos, and educating people about like that. I said it before, it's not about the counting one, two, three, five, six, seven, because if we continue like that. Is gonna be on one spot that is gonna be just plateau, and then nobody gonna move forward from there. And if they don't discover nothing new, it's, it definitely is gonna start dying. Mm. Yeah, I, I just did an interview last week with Sonia Rivera from Diamond Dancers, mm. and she was. We were talking about that, and I love that her focus. A lot of it is on these younger kids, and I, I think that salsa. What I would really like to see is salsa become the replacement for ballet, right? Where people, kids don't ask to go to ballet class, or women, girls don't ask to go to ballet class anymore, but instead want to go to salsa class and Latin dance class. And getting them exposed to this when they're younger, uh, I think that's something that Sonia and a lot of other people around the country are, are doing with a lot of these, these kid congresses are great. The Puerto Rico Kid Congress is great. Um, a lot of those, I think, is, uh, is awesome. Another thing that I'm, I really want to do more, we're going to have a screening here in Gainesville of um, Latin music in the USA. It's this great PBS documentary that goes through from the 1910s, 1920s, uh, from you know, Son Cubano and Son Montuno coming across into New York from Cuba, uh, talking about that whole history, which, uh, like we talked about in the beginning of this, this conversation, that a lot of people don't understand. And I want to just have some screenings of that so that people can get a baseline understanding that this is a culture that runs very deep and has a very long history. And I think when you connect to the history of this, that helps understand that, hey, we're going to continue this history. We're going to continue investing in this history. So that, that's another thing I would like to see more of is these maybe socials combined with educational screenings of, of content, of things to give more of a cultural understanding of where all this comes from. Yeah, definitely. I think bringing the, the young people to start liking the salsa, that, that will be uh, definitely another way to, to bring that. Uh, life again. I think um, people have to stop thinking on only teaching for money. You, you, I, I understand that money is important to, in order to keep open our school or something like that, but you have to think also on educating people, like bring those aha moments to, to your students, really help them to go to point A to point, from point A to point B and stuff like that. And I think the money is going to come later, sooner or later. But the thing is you have, uh, especially uh, instructors, we have to keep pushing the education about, like you said, the, the, the culture and everything else. It's, 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 it's more than just numbers and just uh, moving back and forward with the step, forward with the left, back with the right. It's more than that. It's, uh, we don't really talk too much about it, but I mean, it's a lot of more uh, rhythms inside of salsa because people talk only about salsa, salsa on one and salsa on two, just sort of like a one thing. But there are so many rhythms involved, like uh, charanga, son cubano, son montuno, guajira, son, uh, danzón, chacha, like so many rhythms that we can just spend hours and hours and hours talking about it. <laughs> So, yeah, well, uh, that, that's uh, two part three, man. We'll talk about all of that stuff. That'll be that'll be great, man. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, no. So definitely something that I would like to people to start talking more about it. You know, like introduce where salsa comes from. Like, it, it, it didn't start on the nineties when all the romantic music starts. It, it didn't start there. It started really, really far back away. Yeah. I mean, even even just taking it, if if every Congress took one of their workshop slots and made it a conversation rather than I, I think the closest that we have to that right now is when you go to these Congresses and they have a musicality class 
And if you have a good musicality instructor, they're going to explain a lot of that, that that we're talking about. But even making a step further and saying, hey, for this one workshop hour, let's have a video that we're showing or let's just really talk about the history of the music. Um, I feel that's, that's a way that we can really instantly get everyone who's going through those workshops across the world, because everyone goes to these congresses and festivals, um, getting them at least a baseline understanding of the most important things. And uh, I, I guess that, you know, what defines most important is is debatable for, for me from the limited that I do know. I think that people have to understand the roots from Cuba with, with Son Cubano um, and how that progressed also in, in New York with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and, and a lot of those people popularizing it. And obviously, Fania, if they don't know about Fania, they have to understand uh, what happened there as well. So th- there's just so much to, to learn, though, so much. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I, I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to us here today. Joel, I learned so much. I have, I have massive amounts of notes here on things that I just am going to review myself. So I hope the listeners did as well. Before we end here today, I just want to give you a chance to um, to talk about the projects that you're working on. I know you just recently launched My Salsa Online, so I'd love you to talk a little bit about that and just ways that uh, everyone can get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we have, uh, of course, we have Dance with Feeling, which was the first online product that we put on uh, out there, which is to, like I said before, to show how you can dance to different instruments, how to dance. Uh, I have uh, This is everything on video, so they have to have internet connection and either a laptop or a tablet to, to watch the videos. And also, just the last project that we had that was My Salsa Online, which is basically it's on a school online. Uh, some of the terms that we teach here in New York, we put it on video and high quality videos. And then we, people can pay a membership and then they will have new videos every time. So if some, uh, some people out there, they feel like they, okay, I, I think that I need more turns. Here we go, that's the, <laughs> that's the course for you. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. And yeah, everyone, I want you to also realize that My Sauce Online and these online courses, this is important stuff, right? You can get some of this information in bits and pieces, but I also think that just making that commitment to yourself to learn these things through some kind of a subscription service like like what Joel has here, that's important. Right, I think that's going to really improve the rate at which you improve. So if you're really trying to get better quicker, uh, definitely check it out. So, uh, Joel, with that being said, um, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Really appreciate it, man. And I uh, forgot to tell you, but I will be up in New York. I'll be going up to the Congress, but I'm going to be coming about a week before as well. So hopefully there's an LVG social I can check out. Otherwise, I'll probably see you out dancing and some of the other stuff going on there in the city, okay? Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, uh, the Congress, the week before the Congress is when we have LVG anniversary. Oh, perfect. So that, that's the gonna, Saturday before? It's going to be Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be two days. Two days okay, event. great. I'll, I'll make sure I fly in early for that one. Then me and my girlfriend will be out, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely be there. Perfect. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Thank you, Robert, for the invitation. And that was a pleasure to be here.